Welcome to the Rodcast. The Rodcast with Rod Black, brought to you by North Star Bets. That's a win. Now here's your host, Rod Black. Hello, all my friends. To the show that never ends, we're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. Yes, welcome, everybody. I'm Rod Black, TV guy, sports guy, family guy, North Star Bets guy. Not a podcast guy, but a Rodcast guy, if you know what I mean. And this humble little show that will be a series that could become the next big thing on Netflix or YouTube or wherever. It doesn't matter. But we thank you for coming and enjoying what we're going to be providing to you. And that is each and every episode, we are going to have sports stars, movie stars, music stars, pop culture stars, stars of stars, who you will get to know a little bit better. Heroes and friends who can share stories, share laughs. We will do a lot of talking, maybe even some tick-talking. Who knows? But thank you to all of you for tuning in, however you're tuning in. Thank you to the sponsors, North Star Bets and all the rest for helping putting this on. So this is it. This is number one. And oh, the big reveal. Ah, uh, there you go. Uh, yes, I'm wearing a Toronto Blue Jays uniform. And our guest today is celebrating a couple of anniversaries along with his teammates this year and next year that I'm sure are going to bring back so many memories for so many people. Now, he normally doesn't bat lead off, but he will on the broadcast. And he is, as you will find out, more than just a great baseball player, but just a great, great dude. Uh, he's a family-loving, faith-carrying, golf-addicting, pie-making, home-run-hitting hero who, of course, touched them all 30 years ago. You know who he is, especially north of the border. So a guy I've known since I covered the team when they won the World Series back in 1992 and 93. Then I moved into the booth with him for a few years at Sportsnet. I host his annual golf tournament every year. And frankly, he's, he's, he's really one of my best friends. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Joe Carter. Welcome to the Rodcast. Well, Rod, here's my backyard. I decided that uh, I wasn't using my tennis court, basketball court. So I said, what do I want for my 62nd birthday? And voila, here it is. That's right. I built a short game area with uh, six holes, putting green. My wife threw in a fire pit because she's an interior designer. So we can sit out here listening to music on a cold night. But I kept the basketball court too. So a little, little, you know, three-point line and everything because, you know, I can't run up and down the court anymore, but I can still shoot it, Rod. So anyway, this is the Joe Carter short game challenge, and uh, it's coming right at you. So I got no excuse for not being uh, good in my short game. Well, looky, looky. Touch them all, Joe. There, there he is, JC in KC. Look at Joe Carter. Hello, man. Look at you. Well, 
Rod, how, how are you doing, buddy? It's always great to hear your voice and uh, hear the voice of Canada, all of Canada. You <laughs> yeah. got the best. You got the best voice out there, babe. And uh, it's always good to hear from you. you. You know that. Oh yeah, look at you though. Like, it looks like you're at a resort, but I think this is Casa Joe Carter, is it not? <laughs> well, you know, it helps when your wife is a great interior designer. So she can put all this stuff together. So I'm sitting outside on my pool that we opened up uh, about uh, two weeks ago and uh, ready to take a dive, uh, a dip in there. And hopefully, you know, the Wi-Fi will last. But, you know, I used to have a basketball court, tennis court, and I wasn't using it too much. So I changed it and what? decided to... Decided to put look, in. Look at you. Yes, baby. I didn't know you oh, lived in Augusta. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? So I've, I've got now a six-hole little miniature golf chipping game, short game area out there with a sand trap. My wife throws in a fire pit. So when it gets cool at night, we can just light a fire. And then at the far end, I kept my basketball court because – I don't run too much up and down the court, but I can still shoot the three-pointer. Oh, I know you can. Come on back, because I think your Wi-Fi might be breaking up. Come on back <laughs> a little bit. Come on back a little bit. Let's settle down and, and talk some Joe Carter, if we can, and the life of Joe Carter and what you're doing now and everything that you're doing. Uh, first of all, thank the baseball gods that you hit that home run. You, you might not have all of that, man. <laughs> Well, you know what? God, God is the baseball guys and the good Lord above have been very good to Joe Carter uh, yes, and my family. It, is, it has been a, um, a, a whirlwind that I will never forget. Uh, I've been blessed my whole 62 years of my life here on earth. And, you know, come on, you're not that now. old. I thought you yeah, were yeah. only 14 when you hit that home run. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. You know, now, you know, now this year will be the 30th year of the first anniversary of the home run of the uh, World Series, and mm -hmm. then next year, you know, will be number three. So 29 and three, those are pretty good years for me. Uh, you just broke up on the 20. So why don't you just, just say that next, take it from next year, and then I'll keep, I'll just try to edit all this together. Okay, the next, you know, next year, or this year is the 30th year of the first World Series and next year will be the 30th year of the bigger World Series, at least for me, <laughs> uh, with, with the home run. So, you know, number 29, my favorite number in the world. And then number 30, that was the other number I wore in the big league. So 29, 30, back to back. Yeah, it goes together. Yeah, that is crazy. Think about it. <laughs> it, it like this year is the anniversary number of your number, right? And next yes. year is 30. Like, time flies, man. So, I mean, thank goodness for YouTube and that we can relive memories. Do you still get chills watching that? You know, hearing Tom Cheek's voice and all of that stuff. Do you, does it, I mean, my God, that is like such a dream to have happen and to be fulfilled. Rod, when you've done something like that and then you look back as you get, older and older and older and older all you have left are your memories and so i look at that moment and i see it probably once a week uh it may come up or i, I just may go ahead and google it you know i don't know if you google yourself but i do myself and look at the home run 
but to watch it happen, I'm thinking, did this really happen? Because you're talking about, you know, 93, you're talking about 29 years ago when it happened. And I'm like, if I was on a baseball field now, I couldn't hit the ball past shortstop maybe. But to, <laughs> to think that I actually played the game for that long and accomplished what I did, but to hit the home run, no, it's still, when I see it, I'm like, you know, I, I question myself, did it really happen? But when I see me hit the ball time and time again, trot around the bases and Tom Cheek with the infamous touch them all, Joe, you'll never hit a bigger home run of your life. He was correct. And uh, when I see that, I still get chills. Well, you know, the reason that Tom and rest his soul, what a great man. The reason that Tom said that because you were jumping around so much that you might've missed the base. Did it seem like an out of body experience at the time in sports for you? It, oh, it, it, def, it definitely was. I mean, it was so quiet. I was so focused. And people know that when I'm playing the game, I like to laugh, joke. You know, I'm only serious for about two or three seconds, and that's when the ball is coming in and, after, and when I swing. But after that, I go back to my laughing, jovial self. But at that particular moment, no, I, I, was, I was so focused and tuned in that, you know, when it happened, and I'm jumping up and down, and Tom said those words, but I thought the same thing because with me jumping up and down, the first thing I thought of was stop jumping, make sure you touch all the bases. <laughs> that, that's what I actually thought. That's why you see, you see me stop, and I made sure I touched all the bases. But, yeah, it, it was totally an out-of-body experience that, you know, when I got to home plate, I'm just like, just let my body go limp. Everybody piled on. And when I came in to the locker room, the first thing I wanted to see, I said, I have to see the replay because I didn't believe what just happened. I had to see it again uh, in slow motion and come out. And when I saw it in slow motion and saw it happen again, man, what, what a blessing. What a blessing. Did you know immediately? I know it's, it's I've probably asked you that a hundred times, but <laughs> did you know immediately you got it? You got it because it was a laser beam over the left field wall. Well, I knew I hit it hard enough. I didn't know if I hit it high enough uh, because with two strikes, you're always taught not to look for a certain pitch, but I figured he was going to throw me another breaking ball like he did the pitch before. And so I just slowed everything down. And one of my, one of the best hitting coaches I ever had was Bobby Bonds. And he said, in that instance, when you're looking off speed, and they throw a fastball, your hands are going to react because you've taught your hands to react in those situations and said, just drop the head of the bat. And because I was looking, breaking balls, slowed everything down and made perfect contact. I mean, it was, it wasn't a bad pitch. It was just a bad pitch to me because I'm a low ball hitter. And, you know, I took out my, my pitching wedge and I hit it 135 (laughs) yards to the back wall and, the rest is history yeah it was a hole in one you might say (laughs) where's the ball i still i still have it i still have it uh you know uh john sullivan our bullpen catcher here's the thing you have to plan for these things rod so i i knew i was going to hit a home run wink (laughs) wink uh and i said i don't want to hit hit it into the stands so let me hit the back of the stands and then let someone else get it so it's not up in the stands and they'll retrieve it, bring it back to me. 
But after the game, John Sullivan, after all the hoopla died down, he came up to me, he said, I got something that you may want. And, and it was the baseball. And I was like, oh, I gave him a big hug. And he had to run and hide because the guy from the Baseball Hall of Fame had been chasing him and looking after him saying, where's the ball? Where's the ball? And Sully goes, I don't know. I don't know what happened to it. <laughs> so wow. we had we had a little George Brett incident as far as the pine tar, but it was where's the baseball at? <laughs> How much did it change your life? Um, from my standpoint, it didn't change my life. Mm-hmm. from the standpoint of other people looking at me that changed because now you know everywhere you go people will notice you they'll talk about the home run uh they they start to recognize what i had been accomplishing my whole career uh but from my standpoint here, here's a true story i mean after that humongous home run only two times in the history of the of the world um, I Bill Mazeroski and then yeah, you. Bill Mazeroski, 1960, the year I was born. I go home and I drive up. The neighbors had cut the number 29 with the lawnmower into my front yard. They, they, they had a big sign across my garage. It said, and it was pictures drawn. It says, the fat lady doesn't sing until Joe Carter swings. <laughs> And I opened my garage door and all these blue and white balloons just came barreling out. It was was an awesome moment. And so I'm on cloud nine, Rod. So I go in, so we we pull up, we go inside. First thing my wife says, uh, the kids have school tomorrow. Uh, You need to mop this floor. Uh, The trash (laughs) has to be taken out. Can you grab this? I'm like, wow. Daddy's home. Daddy's home now. Blue jobs, I'm like, man. I'm like, give me at least, can I have one day? <laughs> <laughs> it, it was it was back to oh. normal that same day. So from my, my perspective, you know, I didn't change, but the people around you yeah. change because you now, and it's like everywhere I went, you know, they had a day for me back in uh, Oklahoma City, you know, my high school, you know, everybody showed up and I'm just like, I'm just blown away. I'm like, look, I was just doing my job. It was a great moment. But uh, people look at me now and say, man, you're the same old Joe that we grew up with on Second Street and going to Millwood High School. I'm the same guy. So, uh, you know, I'm glad I never changed in the, from that standpoint. Yeah. And knowing you the way I know you, I, I, I don't think you've changed one bit, except you probably had your golf games a lot better than it, it used to be anyway. You, you, you got a lot more time. Um so it's a dream to do that. But one thing that I've learned through the years is that you also have had very vivid dreams about going to the Blue Jays, signing with the Blue Jays, hitting home runs. Maybe you can tell everybody. I mean, I'm not saying you're Kreskin or anything or you're psychic, but you did have some visions, did you not? I, Rod, I, I would have those visions and dreams all the time. Uh, and as a little kid, I, I dreamed of hitting the home run to win the world series and, and sure every kid dreams about that, but you know, with my faith and, and, and my trust and my savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, 
you know, I think those things are, are kind of people have can dis- discern certain things. And I know that uh, Devon White and Colleen White, they don't like talking to me because, <laughs> you know, I, I would see Colleen and I would say, huh, you know, I had a dream last night that uh, you were pregnant. And she goes, no, you better not. And then, like a week later, she found out she was pregnant. And so, yeah. And so, and so uh, my, my mother was like that. So maybe it was passed down from my mother because she would always know. And with 11 kids, she's like, uh-oh, okay, somebody, somebody's pregnant. I'm like, well, it's not me, but, but sure enough, someone would be. What? And so those things would always come to me. But in baseball, you know, when I was a free agent after the 92 season. Now, you dreamt you know, that, I said, right? Look, you dreamt Blue Jays, I, didn't you? Yes, oh. I, I did. I, I, I had a dream that night. I was going to the ballpark with Devon White, of all people. And the whole place was dark. And when I got to the stadium, the, it just, the lights just lit up and said, welcome to the Sky Dome. And that next morning, me and my wife woke up and there was nothing but Blue Jays all in my backyard everywhere. Oh, oh. <laughs> you're creeping me out a little bit here, Joe. Can you can can you can you have a can you have a dream tonight that I win six forty nine or something? Come on, man, tell me, please have some dream. But I, that, isn't that something though? Like that is that's otherworldly for sure. Um, well, yeah, it 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 is, and 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 I'm in tune with my with my inner self and everything. But you know, I believe those things happen for a reason. And I, I truly believe in that. And I, you know, I look for all the positive in everybody and, and all the positive in, in my life. And so when I see that, I'm like, oh, wow. You know, I always felt that something good was always going to happen when I put myself in those position, positions because I was ready for that. I felt I was born to be in those positions to be the man at the plate, you know, to, to have the basketball in my hand with two seconds left and we're at half court and we're, you know, down by one or two and I make the game winning shot, you know, those things have happened in my life. And so I live off those moments, but I want to be in those moments because I trust who I am. Who was your hero growing up? Well, one of the baseball guys I followed the most was, was Willie Mays. Uh, you know, and the other guy was Johnny Bench because Johnny Bench was from Binger, Oklahoma. And so I was a big Cincinnati Reds fan. My father. Was I love God. Johnny Bench, man. Number five. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Good pick yeah. by you. So him being from Oklahoma uh, and the big red machine. And so I would stay up at night and listen to when the Dodgers played the Reds on the West Coast. My father would be in the bed sleep because he had to get up and go to work the next morning. I would have the radio beside my bed listening to the game. And as soon as the game was over, I'd let him know that my Reyes kicked his Dodgers butts. And it was Johnny Bench and, 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 and Joe Morgan and Pete Rose and all those guys. But, you know, like I say, being from Oklahoma, we always rest. I always resonated with, uh, with Johnny Bench. Why did you pick number 29? How, how did you make number 29 famous? Was, was that a number for you as well? And why? No, it wasn't. Uh, you know, my number in college was number 30. Yeah. And so I wore 30 when I got to the minor leagues with the Cubs. I wore number 10 because I thought 10 was the perfect number. <laughs> 
And so when I, when I get to the big leagues in Cleveland, uh, 10, 10, of course, was taken. I think, uh, I think maybe Mike Hargrove was wearing 10. So I wasn't going to get that. So I say, you know what? I'll go back to my college number, number 30. And I wore that all my years in Cleveland. Now, fast forward, going to Toronto, I get there and Todd Stottlemyre is number 30. And, and, and I never was tied to one number. Uh, but I said, hey, I knew Jesse Barfield wore 29. It's one less than 30. So I say, you know what? You know, I want him asked Todd for his number. I'll just go ahead. I'll take 29 because I like 29 also. So that's how I started wearing number 29 because 30 was taken by Stoudemire. Wow. How many 29 Joe Carter jerseys do you think you've signed in your life? Uh, I don't have that many. I can't count that high. Uh, <laughs> and, and 12 gazillion billion trillion. <laughs> <laughs> if you had a nickel, imagine you'd be I, Elon Musk right now. That's how much money you would have. Um, because, you know, that number, and, and here's the thing, everywhere I go, I see that number 29. And, and here's, you know, you talk about the all the premonitions and everything. Back in 1985, my father purchased four burial plots. Okay, this is 85. So I was playing with Cleveland at the time. And when he passed away in 2012, I had to go and make sure everything was correct and done and done the right way and make sure that, you know, the burial plots were all good and ready to go. And when I get there, I get don't the, tell me. The don't tell me. Rod. Don't tell me. You are creeping. Seriously, man. No. He had four. He bought four burial plots and they were in row 29, block 29. I kid you not. And when I saw that, I'm going, there's no way. And so now when I go to visit, you know, the, the burial site, I know exactly where it's at. It's row 29, block 29. That's where that's I, true story, Rod. Well, my <laughs> so we, yeah. we could be doing a Stranger Things podcast. That's what we could be doing. I mean, yeah. that that is, you know what? It, 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 I think that it could also... As as spooky as that kind of sounds to some, I think it also speaks a lot to the possibilities that are out there. You know, the fact that there is someone that is guiding us, that our people are guiding us. There is a God guiding us. There, you know, our, that our lives have guidance. In a there is there is some sort of light. I mean, well, that I must. You know, I know you're a man of faith. Uh, that must make you even more faithful oh, oh no it, it does because i look at it I, I i said that uh you know when you look at 29 you said if you turn those numbers around it's, it's 92 first year of the world series that we won the world series uh 93 uh the baseball bat that i hit the home run with and no. the motto no. The motto of the bat don't was, don't say it. The model the bat was J93. That was my model bat. Wow. And and so I think all those things they 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 really mean something. When wow. my when my father passed away, he he passed away 
September 20th, which is 920. <laughs> 29. Wow. wow. I, it's well, okay. I'm into numerology now. I'm into numerology <laughs> now. Gosh. <laughs> You learned something. I thought I knew everything about you, but I mean that—that that to me, that to me, I that, no wonder you were twenty-nine, man. <laughs> holy cow! Yeah, it just happened to it happened to be. But you know, you know, a number doesn't make a person. The person no. makes the number. And so when you when you go out there and you know, I think Lou Holtz said it. He said, "The more he said, it's better to be good than to be lucky." And he said, "You know what? The more I practice." the more lucky I get. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's why I wear number zero, man. Oh, well. Well, one thing I do know about Joe Carter in the big home run and your big life is your big heart and how much you love to give back. And you have given back so much through the years uh, with your annual golf tournament, which is the best celebrity golf tournament, I think on the planet. You've had everybody there maybe except for the Kardashians, Will Smith, and Johnny Depp. They might be on the, the, the list this year. But tell me about how this all began. The fact that, you know, you were known for touching them all, but now you're known for touching so many hearts and giving back. Tell me about this event. Well, you, you know what, Rod? Golf is a big part of my life. And giving back is a big part of my life. You know, I come from a huge family, six girls, I got four other brothers, so it's 11 of us. So out of that 11 kids. God bless your mama. Bless you your mama. We have, I think last, last count, it was 138 nieces and nephews from the 11 kids in my family. 138. I've only got three, but there's a lot of Carters out there in the so world. You, you need a stadium for a reunion. Well, yeah, we, 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 we would fill the stadium out, put it like this. I would have to borrow everyone's passes to get them on the pass list, to get them in the game. But, you know, giving back is something that was always taught to me. Too much is given, much is expected. And I've always been that person who is a big kid. Uh, I'm still a big kid. I'm 62 years yes, old. you are. And I'm still a big kid having a great time. And... I think it was after the 15-year reunion that we had with the Blue Jays of the 92 World Series that myself, James Dodds with TD Bank, and uh, Chris Samdio, we were sitting around talking, you know, could we have a Joe Carter Classic? Would it work? And I said, yeah, it would work because, one, I knew I loved golf. Two, I knew I was well-respected where I could get the guys to come in. And three – all I had to tell them was it was Toronto and, and they would come because everybody loved coming to Toronto. Charles Barkley, the, Wayne Gretzky, Snoop Dogg, Charlie Sheen. The list, it reads like a field of dreams. You know, and you, you, you look at Dan Marino, Jerome Bettis. Oh, uh, Jim McMahon, who plays with no golf shoes, no oh, shoes. Yeah. He plays in bare feet. Yes. And uh, he plays well too. Yes, he does. I, I, yeah, that's that is the that is the fun part, you know, bringing all those guys together because they know how big my heart is. And when you have friends who believe in you and believe what you do, and the Children's Aid Foundation, what an awesome foundation! What a great job uh, 
Valerie McMurtry, what they have done there has just been off the chains. And it is, it is indeed my pleasure to be able to work for them to give these kids the hope that they, you know, it was kind of taken away from them at an early age, but now let them know that, hey, we got your back. You know, we're going to fight for you. We're going to help you out because I've seen some of those stories. I've heard a lot of their stories and I've seen them up close. And when they receive those gifts, when they receive all the all the uh, uh, the money, as far as they don't have to worry about schooling, it's yeah. all paid for. Yeah, and then you get scholarships they, every year. It's crazy. Yeah, they, and and the thing is, they want to pay it forward. They feel like they have to go out and do something. So that's what you know, pay it forward is all about. I do something help them out because somewhere on the line someone someone helped you out rod someone helped me out growing yep. up and that's mm -hmm. all that we're here to do is to help one another to love one another and that's why i i mean it, it's a it's 13 years going on 13 years and i have a great time doing it and i will continue to do this as long as i can long as i'm above ground well hey buddy you were almost not above ground a little while ago many people don't know this but take us back to november I mean, crazy story. I mean, I talked to you about a day later and you told me, I mean, Joe Carter almost bit it. Like, man, that's crazy. Well, you know, Rod, uh, eventually it will happen. Yes. You know, it, that's one thing that we're certain of, deaths and taxes. Uh, mm -hmm. and not necessarily in that order because mm -hmm. ah, they still want to tax you more. <laughs> yeah, they do. I think they can still tax you even when you're dead. Yeah, exactly. But but, exactly. but isn't it? It's, it's like you must have a completely different perspective on day to day life after what you went through. Oh yes, oh yes. Because back on November first, Monday night football game, the Giants against my Kansas City Chiefs here in Kansas City, and I'm walking across the parking lot because my good buddy Mike Phillips, who plays in my golf tournament, he was doing the national anthem. And so we're going to go support him. And I'm walking across the parking lot and I felt this pain in my chest. And I, I know my body, you know, because, you know, I'm walking six, seven miles a day playing golf, no problems. And all of a sudden I felt a little pain and I was very winded. So I sat down and I said, that didn't feel right. Mm -hmm. And so we went to the game. But after the game, I said, I told my buddy Bill, I said, you know what? I'm checking myself into the hospital. And so I got up, checked myself into the hospital. They told me that I had 95% blockage in one of my arteries, wow. 70 in the other. The good thing was it wasn't the Widowmaker. Uh, you know, I was blessed for, you know, that reason. But they said, hey, we'll put in a couple of stents, take about 35, 40 minutes. Unless when we get in there, something else goes wrong, or you may be in that one to two percent where it could be fatal. And I said, "Okay, let's do it." So, I mean, they they put me under, but I was I was awake, but I couldn't feel anything under local anesthesia. And when they got in, they found out that what the pain I felt, one of my arteries had ruptured, Holy and I was smoke. So what took was supposed to take. 30 to 35 minutes I was there for four hours and and the whole thing was what was amazing Rod they went through my wrist all the way up my arm to my to my heart to fix it 
I still don't know how they did that. But mm -hmm. the doctor at Saint uh, Hospital here in uh, in Leewood, Kansas, four hours. He did a great job, and one week later, I was. I mean, I was home the next night. I was playing golf seven days later, and everything is back to normal. So now, you know. I've always looked at life as a blessing and I've always never had a bad day. And even that day was not a bad day because I found out a lot about me. Now, when I wake up, it's like, thank you, Jesus. Every day is a good day. Every day I'm, I'm above ground. You try to do something pro productive and positive for somebody in this world. You've done that for so many people. You've done it for baseball fans. You do it for charities. You've done it for me. Uh, you were there to help me out the day my firstborn, uh, Tyler was around. I'll never forget that. We were broadcast partners. I will never forget that day, obviously, for, for many reasons, but also how helpful you were. We had to do a baseball game. My kid is born. Crazy, crazy. But I also have got a sense of how much you give to just people like this, the, the fans, but also just everybody. You're just like such an extraordinary, ordinary guy. And I got a sense of that in Augusta, Georgia, at the Masters a few years ago. Quick story before we go. Uh, Joe calls me, and we when I was reporting at the Masters, we used to have a massive house, a big mansion, and we had our production crew, our cameramen, our producers, and, and Bob Weeks, the insider, was there as well. And I knew Joe was coming in, but I didn't want anybody to, to know. It was kind of a surprise. And I said, Joe, he said, well, I'll get a hotel. I said, no, you're not going to get a hotel. Just stay with us. we got lots of room. Don't worry. Anyway, um, I come back later that night and I'm going for the rooms and they're all taken, but there's no problem. There, there's couches and I think they're pull-out couches, but they're not. They're not. And I'll let you take it from here. As you, <laughs> as you pulled in around 3.30 in the morning and I got like this frightened look on my face, Joe, there's no bed at the end for JC. No bed for JC. <laughs> Hey, we've heard that story before, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> only, only this wasn't Bethlehem. Well, there were three. There were three wise men up at uh, three thirty in the morning. You, me, and your your buddy. Well, my buddy Terry Jarvis. It was my my first time going. It was my second time going to the Masters, and you know what? I didn't. You know, we get there, and all the rooms are taken, all the beds are taken. So we had. I had brought with me a blow up mattress just in case because i was the boy scout and i said well we have a couch there i can sleep on the couch because i did that growing up back in oklahoma city with all those kids in my family uh our my buddy and i we we could share this this full-size blow-up mattress and so we moved the dining room table put it up put it on the floor there and we crashed that night now you can take it from there because yeah. So at 6 a.m., we got to go to the course. And my cameraman and producer wake, come in my room and they're, they're wrestling me to go, hey, Rod. I said, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, hey, <laughs> there's two guys. They're downstairs sleeping on the floor. Uh, a white guy and a black guy. And one of them looks suspiciously like Joe Carter. And I go, that is Joe Carter. They go, what? <laughs> so <laughs> the funny thing is, it didn't matter. I mean, you, you, you go to the Masters. We all had a great time. And the best ending of the story is how nice you were to all of them. You became part of our TV crew. 
in fact, you made them pecan pies. I got home later that day. They go, God, you're not going to believe Joe Carter. He's the nicest guy in the world. Made us all pecan pie. And that pecan pie has become famous in Augusta, Georgia, has it not? It, it had, Rod, it has taken a, a, a life of its own because, you know, I've, it's gotten me police escorts to the airport, you know, after the Saturday of the Masters. It has gotten me great parking spots right across from the main gate. And here's a true story. Um, when I was there, I think it's my 34th year, I had befriended a lot of the police officers. And so <laughs> I came back the following year. I told my buddy George Hobbs, who, owned, who is the easy go rep, who made it possible for guys like me and Ozzie Smith and Fred McGriff and Bo Jackson to go down there. So I said, George, I said, follow me. I'll get us parking spots right across from the main gate. He goes, that ain't going to happen, Joe. I said, just follow me. Just watch. And so, Rod, we we drive up. We drive, we're driving down the main street, Washington Boulevard there, and we get to ready to turn into the parking lot, special VIP parking lot. And this police officer, Ohio Patrol, he's looking at me, and he's telling me, keep going, keep going, keep going. And I put my blinker on. And he just says, keep going, keep going. And George is behind me laughing, him and Ozzie Smith. And so I go ahead and I pull on in. And he comes to the to the window and he looks in there. And the first thing he said, he, he realized it was me. He says, where's my pecan pie? And I reached back and I pulled out two pecan pies. And he goes, come on in, Joe, come on in. And so from that day forward, we I mean, We've got numerous, I mean, we would get there to the Masters, they would have a cart for us, and they would take us back to the par three tournament to the very back, the police officers. <laughs> they, took, they took me and Bo, me and Bo, they, uh, Saturday until the latest possible time, and our flight left about six o'clock, and about five o'clock, we ran out, we get in the car, and they say, come on, let's uh, go. And, Police escort screaming down the highway, <laughs> all because of that Joe Carter pecan pie. Oh, well, that's good, dude. I, I was gonna say, it, I, I'm, I'm so glad that if anybody had to hit a home run like you did, you did. Uh, but if it didn't work out or you didn't even play baseball, I now know I don't even have to ask you the question what would Joe Carter have? You would have owned your own <laughs> pie business and you would have baked them all, Joe. Bake them all. <laughs> well now walmart the ceo i took a piece to him and he had i we were down in benville arkansas and i said let me take my pie just in case and so mike dukes and he comes in with with, with an augusta national shirt on and i said would you like a piece of pecan pie and he looks around and goes uh okay sure he sets down, Rod, he eats the whole pie. And then he goes, his exact words, and I quote him today, he goes, mm, mm, mm. He said, I thought my mama made the best pecan pie. He said, this is the best I've ever had, and we'll take a million of them. What? Just like that. Yes. What? Yeah. He said, we'll take a million of them right now. And? <laughs> Oh no, I did I didn't you got didn't you got do... you gotta go. You can't well, bake pies. Well well no, I it would have been great, but I for me it was it's not about making money on the pies. Yeah. It's about 
the the smiles that I get yeah. when you hand them a pecan pie and they go, okay, this is a baseball player. He can't cook. And then when they eat it, they go like, oh my goodness. Mm. And, and to me, that's worth millions mm. of So I never did anything with it. Uh, I still make them to this day. And everybody come Christmas, Thanksgiving, I mean, they'll call, Joe, can you make me a pecan pie? Just, just one pecan pie, please. Oh. I, that's, I'm more known for the pecan pie than I am run now. I had some in Augusta. I can tell everybody listening or watching, Joe makes a mean pecan pie. And maybe at your tournament this year, instead of handing out trophies, why aren't we, or green jackets, why aren't we handing out pies? I don't get it. Well, Let's hand out pies this year. You know what? But. Canada doesn't have the same ingredients we have here in the States. So we'd have to smuggle the ingredients over the border. Oh, yes. We'll work on that. I cannot give away my secrets because my mother and my Aunt Betty, oh. they would kill me. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> well, buddy, I could sit and chat with you and I could chat with you for days and hours. But I think, you know, everybody who's, who's listened for the last little while, realizes it joe carter is not just the guy who hit the most famous home run in baseball history canadian baseball history joe carter is a, a guy who uh you'd love to sit down and have a pecan pie with golf with uh you've got a huge heart i love you dearly as you always know and i uh, can't wait for the tournament this year and uh we were talking about numerology number 29 what date is it on the tournament it's on uh let's see um um Yes. <laughs> 29. There you go, baby. Hey, the stars are all aligned. You know they what? They are aligned. I could win my own tournament again for the second time this year. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for uh, touching them all as always, partner. Always great Ron, to see you. I love you to death, brother. And uh, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Like I say, we could talk all day because that's what that's what we do now. That's what we do now, bro. That's what yeah. we do. And if I had to have anybody as my first guest of the Rodcast. <laughs> I like that. You are the man. Uh, You're always the man. I'm very happy, Rod, to be your first. <laughs> okay, we'll leave it there. We'll leave it there. You can have your pie and eat it too. Thank you, Joe Carter. Touch them all, Joe. Touch them all. Thank you, buddy. I told you, I told you, special, special guy. Thank you, Joe Carter, for spending some time with us, letting us uh, spend some time by your pool and your miniature golf course. Uh, I can't wait to become your pool boy and your lawn maintenance guy, even though you don't have real grass, which would make my job a whole lot easier. And thank you, Joe. Thank you, Joe, for touching them all back in 1993. And since that time, touching so many hearts with all your charitable endeavors, not only in Canada, but around North America. Yes, you have touched them all with that great big heart. Thank you all for tuning in. Many more stars to come. Make sure you join us next time, and we'll see you on the Rodcast. Bye-bye. The Rodcast with Rod Black, brought to you by North Star Bets. That's a win.